Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stibby and Andy Blaker. How's it going tonight, Andy? Hey, it's going really well. How are you? Ah, same. Doing well. We are on episode five of season five of Cheers, and we should note that this is the 100th episode of the show. Oh, I completely missed that. Yeah. (laughs) Major milestone. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And this one is House of Horrors with Formal Dining Room and Used Brick. It's quite a mouthful of a title. Um, it was written by David Angel, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on October 30th, 1986. So this is functionally the Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our logline is, Carla is frustrated because she can't find a house to purchase that is in her price range. Cliff, on his new mail route, finds a house in Carla's price range that is really too good to be true. So Carla buys the house and is excited that her luck in life is turning around. Just before Norm learns that the house, it really is too good to be true. It was built on the site of a 17th century prison. Carla is afraid to move into the house. So Sam challenges her to spend one night in her new house, which she does, complete with the company of Norm and Cliff. And then just Cliff, after Norm gets a call to go home. And she discovers that the house's secret is actually a perfect match for her life and her sense of superstition. For the teaser, Norm is reading the paper at the bar, and he remarks that there's been another sighting of the Loch Ness Monster. And he shows his paper around, and Woody remarks that he looks like President Reagan. <laughs> so, And he's kind of innocent in the way he says it, which was, I don't know, it's kind of funny, I guess. So Norm corrects Woody on the article, and Cliff then starts to wonder if they're ever going to catch the Loch Ness Monster. So they're talking about it like it's real, which is sort of just funny on its own, I think. And Fraser says he hopes that they never do. And then he asks, kind of rhetorically, if any of them really wants to see that poor beast hauled out of the water and put on display in some sideshow. Woody says, well, I sure would. <laughs> he's just very enthusiastic. And he's saying, you know, we could all go together. I don't mind driving. So he, he plans it all out in his mind already. And Norm keeps trying to interrupt him. He's like, you see Woody, they, and Woody just keeps going. He's like, you know, it'd be kind of fun. We could pack a lunch. And Norm's trying to explain. Woody asks, who wants peanut butter and jelly? Who wants bologna? Um, at this point, Fraser has his head in his hands on the bar. And Norm starts to try one more time. And then you just see him pause and he says, I'll have one of each. I thought, like I said, I thought it was funny that they're first speaking of the Loch Ness Monster as though it were a real entity. Like, I don't want to see it hauled out of the lake, you know. Um, but then it gets to be the joke about Woody. What did you think? I mean, it was okay. It wasn't anything okay. particularly special for me. I mean, it was a it was a Woody centered, you know, mm-hmm. character moment, so that was good. Right. But, uh, you know, it's one of those where you know you can't bat it out of the park every time. It's it's funny as a slice right. of life moment, a believable conversation they'd have, but right, you know, just one of those, uh, you know, chuckle or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't find it remarkable. I think it's funny though. I mean, I think it's a good little character piece because each of them has their their reactions or each funny in their own senses of humor, I mm-hmm. think. Like Norm trying to explain and then just kind of going before it at the end, like I'll have one of each, you know. And then Frasier, <laughs> just being so dramatically exasperated, yes. he has his head in his hands. Yeah. And Woody just wants to see a sideshow. So I don't know, I got a kick out of it. <laughs> so in the episode, Norm is sitting at the bar and he asks Carla how house hunting is going. And she comes over, she stuffs his tie in his mouth. Um, so that's, you know, clearly Carla's 
signal that things are not going well. Mm-hmm. And she's not finding a house in her price range. And she talks about the kids getting bigger and the apartments getting smaller. And she wants to know what it's like to be alone in the bathroom. And she asks Sam if it's everything people say it is. He says more, much, much more. So that's essentially the setup for the entire episode, for the entire plot right there is Carla yeah. looking for a house. Yeah. We have this kind of like little side back and forth with Diane inviting Sam to invite her out, essentially. And he says he already has a date for the evening. So this sets up the repartee back and forth about the date and the nature of the date. Diane thinking that Sam is finding ways to punish her. And he says, no, that's just a side benefit. And Diane thinks that he's not going to find the total package that he had with her. I thought this was kind of like, it was a funny thing, you know, back and forth about Tiffany. Mm -hmm. What did you think about this? Yeah, she had some good lines in here. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I couldn't help but feel, you know, we've seen and heard so much of this before. We, Mm -hmm. we, you know, she's referred to them as bimbos and bimbets. Right, bimbi or whatever. Exactly. So so it's not really new. It kind of felt like a rehash to me. But she did get a few lines. She had one particularly kind of funny uh her something about her her breasts would provide shade to a small child small boy a yes small that's boy. the yeah. best one i think yeah. yeah so there were some good good bits in that mm-hmm. that's kind of what i thought too there's some good lines as she's describing tiffany the girl with the iq of a lamp and then the part it's been all her time in the gym which of course is confirmed by sam shortly thereafter <laughs> right yeah the one thing and this is really not even related to the main plot but i just thought about this at this time is that it's interesting when Sam picks up the phone, he just picks up the phone and calls the gym. And I think it's interesting that characters on TV shows at this time, like they seldom look up phone numbers. And of course that wouldn't be interesting for them to do, but mm-hmm. they always seem to like, Sam knows the number of the gym, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that was just a very kind of random thing that I think I've probably been noticing the whole time and then just put together at this point. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So Sam is looking through the little black book for a date with a brain he turns to Fraser and asks if he has a sister and he says no and Sam asks if he has a dress and then Fraser kind of adds the flourish like what's the occasion you know <laughs> yeah, that, was <laughs> that was a fun little Fraser moment I thought him playing along so Cliff comes in and I did not make a note of exactly what he's saying but it's something like tutti frutti on Rudy like he's just going on yes. in this yeah great mood mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's all because he started a new postal route that day and it's north of the airport called Melview Acres. And he says it's the best route in the city. I mean, I don't, I'm not like extremely familiar with Boston. I've been there a few times though. And I just don't think that that area is, as Cliff describes it, a real plum. <laughs> like, it's not, the area north of the airport is not the best area in the city. Oh, yeah. But it's, yeah. But it's funny that Cliff is describing it as such. And so Norm guesses that no one else wanted that route. <laughs> and Cliff goes on in his Cliff way about it being a nesting ground for stewardesses and there's a house full of them that stared in behind the curtain. You know, the, what was he say? Like the way women do when they're taken with a man. Yeah, they're, they're like, yeah, t- they're laughing at him behind the curtain. And <laughs> right, right. So that's just kind of a little, almost like a little throwaway bit to have a Cliff have a part, I guess, in that, you mm-hmm. know. And then Cliff is telling Carla he found a house for her. It's giving her the details. So first of all, this is, it's an interesting thing for Cliff to do. Like, it's an interesting the thing I find interesting about this episode is sort of like the the, the bit of Cliff and Carla friendship. Yes. Yeah. In it. That really starts with this. Like he was thinking about what she's going through and actually got some information about a house that might interest her, you know, mm-hmm. on his postal route. 
Yeah, so I don't know. Did you think about that at this point um, at all? That that was a maybe unusual thing for them? No, I mean, for me, it built as the episode went on. But I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a little unusual. But I don't know. Not so much that I guess I find it easier to believe that he would just do a, a, a gesture like that out of pure goodwill. He was walking by a house, saw it was for sale mm-hmm. and took information. It wasn't like he had to go real out of his way to do it. So to me, yeah. I, I guess I didn't really put it in that in that lens. But I mean, you're right. It makes sense that that's not to this point at all what you would expect from their uh, love-hate relationship. <laughs> right. Right. And it does, yeah, you're right. It does kind of like build later. So she, Carla, is skeptical. She says in her price range, which means it's either built on quicksand or it's currently on fire. Sam encourages her to check it out. He reminds her that her horoscope advised her to take a chance and explore other avenues. Mm-hmm. He really, Sam knows how to appeal to Carla's sense of destiny, I think. Mm-hmm. I really thought that that was kind of interesting. And then Carla says it jives with two other horoscopes, her tarot cards, and Madame Lavenda's latest palm reading. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got all her information she needs. Yeah. And she leaves in her middle of her shift <laughs> to go and look at the house. I noticed that she did deliver the drink order first. Because I was like, is she just going to like order a beer and then leave the customer high and dry? But I think she delivered the drink and then just left. And Sam is just right. like, yeah, bye-bye. Bye. You know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They just kind of come and go at will. Mm, they really do. They really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Woody says that he is a Leo, and which I believe Woody Harrelson is a Leo, actually. So oh, really? Kind of fun. Yeah, I think he was born at that time, in that that time frame. And he asks Norm what his horoscope says, and Norm reads: "Young bartender should refill mug of thirsty patron at corner of bar." And then Woody has the you know the line you always hear about horoscopes. So like, oh, those things are so vague; they could apply to yeah, anyone. Yeah, that was and funny. So, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Doesn't even refill Norm's beer. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good horoscope joke. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then Sam in the background is pouring the beer for Norm. <laughs> I like that. Like that gives a little sense of completion to it. It makes it seem real. Right. You know, right. Like they're in a real bar. Mm-hmm. So Carla comes in. She's really excited, telling Sam how perfect the house is. And she's describing, describing all the features she loves, including like the rooms for herself and the older kids. The what was it? Four mica countertops as far as the eye could yes. see. And then mm-hmm. she, yeah. And then the grass that she can mow and lie down in naked. And she really like she ran past every other person in the bar to exclusively sell, tell Sam about the house. Yeah. So he's kind of her, you know, I mean again, like sort of her cheerleader, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sam says it's the American dream. And then Carla mentions that there's a fireplace so the kids can start a fire where you're supposed to start a fire. (laughs) That was good. So it just, yeah, everything about it seems well suited Mm -hmm. to her. And she says she went ahead and bought it. They took her first offer. And she goes into her, like, life is wonderful, which once in a while we see from Carla. Mm -hmm. You know, not often, but once in a while she's exuberant and kind of, like, innocent in her exuberance, I would say. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And then Sam reminds her that she should thank Cliff for finding the house for her. So she makes him face forward and face the floor and thanks him. Mm-hmm. And then she's disgusted when he says, you're welcome. Yeah. Oh, I knew you get all mushy. <laughs> yeah, I like that a little bit. I did too. Sam's looking at the little back book again. Diane looks over and makes a joke about the search for intelligent life continuing. And Sam says something about, he grumbles that she's in his light. And she says, I am your light. 
I have to say, I thought that was a good retort. I did too. <laughs> I wrote that one down actually in my notes. That was, oh. just, I mean, just the the way it's delivered, like this kind of smart ass kind of remark, you know, she, mm-hmm. she, she gives and everything. Um, yeah, I really liked her delivery of that. I did too. I like it when she has a smart ass delivery where it's clever rather than some of her other, right, <laughs> other right, styles, right. you know, that's yeah. good. So Norm comes in, he has done some research on this house and asks if Carla knows the house's history. He thought it seemed a little low in price for that particular area, and he says that the house is built over the graveyard of a 17th century prison that contained the worst murderers and cutthroats of their time, Mm. and many of whom were executed. And local legend says that they're going to rise from the grave and seek revenge on whoever dares to live there. This, I mean, it sounds almost, I don't think that it is, but it sounds almost like something that Norm would make up to spook somebody. Mm -hmm. Right. Just the way he keeps going on, you know. But he mentions how superstitious Carla is. And then Cliff starts to moan, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And Carla comes out from the back and asks what's wrong. <laughs> Did you just catch Norm's explanation? Oh, uh, yes. Like, oh, gosh. He, um, don't tell me. I he knew. forgot his dry. Oh. Yeah, dry cleaning. Yeah, that's it. Dry <laughs> he forgot cleaning. his dry. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Norm does not improvise very no, well. No, no. His explanations. Doesn't. He can't think on yeah. the spot. No. <laughs> no, not when, yeah, not when he's like due to make an explanation for something. And Sam says that Carla is so happy, and Diane is saying that Carla has a right to know about the house's history. And then Norm comes in saying it's dangerous to mess with Carla, and especially when she's happy, and he compares it to when Frankenstein was playing with the little girl by the lake. <laughs> <laughs> It's yes. a bad time to go yes. up to the north. That was great. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I thought that was one of the, that was a, a one of Norm's great contributions mm-hmm. to this episode. That was really good. And then Cliff is muttering like terrible time, terrible time. You know, <laughs> he's just beside himself. Yeah. They decide they're going to tell Carla about the house's history, and Carla starts reprimanding herself for getting her hopes up after years of heartbreak, and then Sam kind of loses his nerve and defers to Diane. And I noticed, like, because Diane goes ahead and she says, Carla, your house is built over a 7th century prison graveyard, or 17th century prison graveyard. And as she finishes speaking, we see, like, a floor-level shot of Cliff. He's kind of kneeling on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Over with Norm from the lower half down. He's seated on his bar stool, but I thought that was an interesting (laughs) shot of him. (laughs) Carla seems to be not upset, and she says that she thought they were going to say that the house had dry rot. But then we see her walk down the hallway, and she looks worried. Yes. And so, yeah, we keep going in the bar. Sam is trying to talk to Carla about her new house, and she's very subdued. And Diane says that it took such courage to overlook the unhallowed ground on which your house is built. Mm-hmm. And then she goes on about how she could, something about like how she couldn't live in that cauldron of blood, and there are other gruesome references that she's making. No, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, on and on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Sam stops her, and then so Diane ends with, well, angel's on your pillow. <laughs> and toddles off. I'd never heard that expression before. That was a new one to I don't, me. I hadn't either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So Woody wants to find out what's bothering. He kind of, you know, thinks he's astute, I think, and mm-hmm. noticing that something is bothering Carla. And she blows up. She says she hasn't moved in yet. And she, something, she makes a reference to poltergeist, and it's like, you think I want to end up in the TV? <laughs> I liked it. It was kind of a meta reference, you know? I, yeah. Because this whole thing, I mean, this is kind of the plot of Poltergeist. I mean, slightly different, but really right. very much. Which 
what what was that 80 81 i mean it was not that many I years think it was before. like a few years before yeah mm-hmm. so that's interesting yeah it is it is i think it's especially too when you because i'll watch it when i watched this the first time i i didn't i guess i hadn't really paid that much attention to the air date so to me i didn't think of this in light of it being a halloween episode at all i didn't even think of it that mm-hmm. way um but then when right. you when you put that lens on it it in a way almost makes the episode even better to me because mm-hmm. you get i don't know more references i don't know if that's just me or what but we'll talk more about that okay yeah so she didn't want anybody to know that she was scared but she told sam that there's something evil in the house something horrible that doesn't want her there and then diane starts to talk about how she's had phobias before and carla has her great expression she's like rolling her eyes and dropping her head which we've seen many times when Mm -hmm. diane starts talking but she i mean diane has a point she says that the step to overcoming the phobia is to confront them the phobia is to confront the phobia so she says that carla should spend one night in the house and Sam, so, she, you know, she's kind of challenging her on the psychological front. And then Sam says, hey, you're not going to let anything stand in the way of your dreams, are you? Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, speaking on the aspirational level, I would say. So Carla says she's going to go for it. She says she's not going to let demons from the other world deny her her house. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, that is just very, that's Carla. That's how she yeah. gets her worldview, you know. Yeah, very much. She's very superstitious. Mm-hmm. I mean... And we've seen that in other episodes before, but I guess it's it's more noticeable when it's all just smashed into 20 minutes, right? I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's very About, much that way. Right. Like, when it's her plot line and her story, it's far more obvious. I mean, we saw it, like, overtly to a degree in the episode with the scale in yes. season two. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yep. Yeah. I think that's the one that comes to mind first off. Yeah. So in the next scene, we're moving out of the bar. So we're kind of, we're actually going to an entirely new set for the show. It's Carla's house. And Carla's approaching the, approaching the front door. And she has a cr- little crucifix in her hand. And she sho- shoves it in the door ahead of her. And then she also has a radio and a six-pack. Yes. There's something kind of old-fashioned about that mm-hmm. that I like. It's I like it's the radio element. It's almost like she's just there camping out or something. Which, I mean, yeah. she is, but. <laughs> right, right. She's walking around. She remarks she only has ten more hours to go. And the doorbell rings. She's terrified. It startles her. It's Norm and Cliff. Mm-hmm. So Cliff says they're there to spend the night. Norm has a pizza. And they're talking about the place being nice. And Norm's kind of looking around. Carla wants a beer before she checks out the rest of the place. Mm-hmm. And they hear this howling sound. Norm says it's a hound from hell. <laughs> and Cliff corrects him. He says it's a Dalmatian, six or seven years old, definitely neutered. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You can identify a dog. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And the phone rings, and Norm asks, what was that? Carla, Carla's kind of exasperated at his wimpiness, which seems to be helping her courage. She has these, you know, kind of weenie guys (laughs) that have come to the house to keep her company. And she tells Cliff to keep an eye on Indiana Jones here, which is another good kind of reference, you know, from that era. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't too many years, I don't think, since the Indiana Jones movies, the first two had come out. No, no, these would have been relatively new then. Mm-hmm. And it all seems classic now, but it really was like it, like Poltergeist, Indiana Jones, like those were contemporaries yeah. at the time that this episode was on. This episode was on. So Norm tells Cliff that he does not have a good feeling about the place, and Cliff says they're going to stick it out. And then, right at that moment, Carla says that Sam called to say that Vera called and wants Norm to come home. <laughs> so Norm is like, "Well, I'm out." Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And he has that line, he's like, scary stuff scares me. 
I really I want to point out too his whole um, little routine at the door when he uh, okay reached back in to grab a beer. Cliff shouts after mm-hmm. him, "You you're driving or you drove or whatever," and he opens the door, puts the beer back, rethinks it, takes the beer, leaves the keys, and I thought that was mm-hmm. really I don't know I just enjoyed that little. It's a good joke because he has, yeah, because he has to keep opening the door at least three more times, you know, to Mm -hmm. make that decision. That was, I thought that was a good joke too. Yeah. Yeah. So Norm's out there like walking, I guess, with his beer. (laughs) Cliff is left with Carla. Um, Cliff's listening to the radio and talking about how he went to a lot of dances in high school and he was on the decorating committee. And he makes some comment about like still having the whatever like the stains on his hand or for years he had the mm-hmm. stains of the whatever on his hands, you know. Yeah. And he wanted to be on the dance floor, but he couldn't find a partner to practice with. And Carla is just she's very derisive. She's like fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, kind of mocking him. And he's sitting on the floor with a pizza, and she tells him to keep his grubby fingers off her piece. So Cliff is he's really trying to be friendly here, you know, and she's just having none of it and he says it's the first time they've been alone together and asks why she's always getting on him and she just keeps asking what he's doing there and he's helping a friend through a scary night which I thought was again interesting that Cliff sees Carla as a friend mm-hmm. he's very Give, sweet in this episode I mean he I really so you know comes off really well I mean I think it does highlight you know he he really does view her as a friend even though you mm-hmm. know she's always you know riding him or whatever but he, I, I, I think he kind of accepts that, which he's kind of said yeah. that on other occasions in the past, people kidding with him or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I do find it interesting, that is interesting that that's how he sees her. That's interesting, too, because sometimes I think Cliff has more faults or more like glaring faults than some of the other characters. I mean, they all have them, which is what makes them so interesting and endearing, mm-hmm. ultimately. But Cliffs just seem to be on the surface more sometimes. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he's very guileless, and he is very what did you just kind and yeah. what did, what did you say? Very. What did I say? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember now. But no, he is. He's very kind of selfless in a way. He is, which is unusual. I yeah. think a lot of times for him. Yeah. And the idea that he's taking her insults and that he just kind of takes the insults in the bar. I guess I had not thought of it before as him just accepting it Mm -hmm. but maybe that is one of his strengths is that he's just like still regards the people as friends even though they especially carla are you know making fun of him right pretty consistently right i hadn't really thought about that that way before but he is sort of accepting of that Mm -hmm. and cliff's telling her there's nothing to be ashamed of and then he starts in with like remember what ernest hemingway said and carla interrupts and's like would you shut up he's like no i think that was jack Jack london London, yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was a decent literary joke yeah and Cliff says, he even says he feels responsible for getting Carla into the situation. And so he thought that she needed somebody to be there with her. Right. So. Like, like from the start, you know, he, he, he feels bad because he was the mm-hmm. one who, you know, gave her the information of the house. And he feels bad not only for that, but also thinking she's going to beat him up or whatever. Uh, so, <laughs> but, you know, he is. He's, he's really just trying to make what he sees as amends in a way. and. And mm-hmm. that's why he's going to be, like, the companion for the night. So, yeah, I mean, he really right. is pretty faultless for the entire episode, I thought. I think so, too. Like, every, like every, yeah, every moment of it, he is pretty faultless. And he's not always the most loyal friend. Right. But in this, he really is, yeah. like, throughout yeah. for no benefit to himself. Because Carla, you know, saying, like, she doesn't need anybody, least of all him. So he doesn't reply. He just gets up to leave. And Carla calls him back by saying she taught a couple of guys to dance in her day. So she's... 
not gonna you know she's saving face obviously but mm -hmm. she's wants him to stay yes and even that moment when he says so and she's like so nothing you know it's like she just can't can't force herself willingly to <laughs> make that connection yeah, yeah yeah and then she seems kind of dejected and he moves again to leave but then she calls him back and you know says no step no what is it no stepping on the teacher's feet mm -hmm. gets into a dancing position so it's a good way for them to not have to address any other <laughs> like personal feelings, I think. Right. Cliff says, yes, ma'am, comes back in. And then he's in this like very awkward, contorted, <laughs> like stiff dancing posture. So Carla has him loosen up and is teaching him some steps. And they dance on the floor. And he's kind of jumping, but, you know, she's teaching him to dance. Yeah. Then the next scene is basically sunrise. Carla is sleeping on his leg. He's asleep on the floor. And she's mad, you know, or fake mad that his leg is underneath her head. He says he was asleep. He didn't even enjoy it. It's 4.30 in the morning, so Carla realizes that she has stayed all night at the house and that the spell is broken. So she kind of enthusiastically thanks Cliff and kisses him on the cheek twice. And then he makes the comment about how long she's wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, that's still, you know, still pretty innocent. Mm -hmm. And Carla says her lunk is finally changing. And she's talking about like where she's going to put the couch and the oil painting of her with Elvis, all of her prized possessions. Mm -hmm. So the house kind of shakes and rumbles and this bright light comes through the window. And Carla thinks the dead are arising from their graves and she jumps into Cliff's arms. And Cliff says it's not the dead, but it's an L1011 wide body. He says the sounds are very similar. <laughs> yeah. And he says that in foggy weather, they have to reroute the planes to another runway, which must be near the house. So I thought it's interesting, Cliff's knowledge of basic, basically trivia, for mm -hmm. one thing, about like the L10 wide body and the, the sounds being very similar and the rerouting of the planes, like comes in use here. And also, I mean, he's in the, you know, I mean, he's in a profession that would require maybe not knowledge of airplanes but knowledge of where things are and so forth mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I thought that was it was a good use of his character's knowledge for an actual purpose rather than just like spouting trivia in the bar right no it actually it was it was more tolerable more funny and it, it had a relevance mm -hmm. to the to the story too you're right yeah so Carla figures out that her house is at the end of the runway and that the white body jet landed near her backyard the house is not cheap because it's haunted, but because it's next to the airport. Mm. So she jumps up and cheers, I'm home. <laughs> I love that. I love the way they ended that. She's just like mm -hmm. midair and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did too. I really liked how it, this whole scene, they, they play it up. I mean, so again, this is a Halloween episode, but it reminds me so much of like some sort of, you know, stereotypical UFO scene with the, the, the house rattling, the windows, Shaking, the light, right. everything, you know, I, I don't know. I really mm -hmm. enjoyed that kind of sci-fi horror element that they ended that Okay, with. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, that's kind of unusual for Cheers. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's obviously a good house for Carla, for superstitious Carla, mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know. What did you think overall? Like, well, of the so it's kind of in two halves, I would say. I don't even know if it's split in half, but you mm -hmm. have the whole situation in the bar, figuring out all of these things at the house and telling Carla, and then the scene at the house mm -hmm. is kind of the payoff part of that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was a little mixed when I first watched this episode, but mm -hmm. talking through it has, in a way, changed my opinion. And, and, and as I oh, said earlier, putting on the Halloween lens, I really did not 
watch it knowing that this was on the day, what, the 30th before Halloween? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think of it as really anything other than, oh, here's, you know, an episode. But looking at yeah. it as this would be their Halloween contribution for that year, I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but that ups the opinion of it to me. Because I can see more what yep. they were going for, and I completely missed that on my first watch through. I enjoyed it. I, I can't help but wonder, though, I think this episode would have been even better if, we were at the house for longer and we maybe had a couple other regulars there. Yes. I I feel like you could have done something really different with it being an episode largely out of the bar if they had just Mm -hmm. said the majority of it at the house and her friend, you know, uh, Sam and Diane, maybe, I mean, I, you had Norman Cliff and that was a fantastic part, but if you had a couple others, I think that would have just amped it up even more. And we saw more of the house and more of that whole, you know, spooky kind of factor played Mm -hmm. up because while I really enjoyed the, you know, the little banter back and forth and, and the depiction of, of, um, Carla and Cliff's relationship that was good but I think if we'd had a little bit more scary you know spooky kind of playing on that a little bit more to her I think that would have made it even better honestly yeah I do too I agree with that I think that I said that it's it's a good I think it was a good attempt at a haunted house story Mm -hmm. and I do it, it upped it in my estimation that it's a for all purposes their Halloween episode but I think it could have been spookier and funnier and I think that, like what you said, there's your suggestion of having more of that at the house and maybe having, like, Sam or Diane or Woody or somebody, you know, mm-hmm. come by. And just, like, and more of that would have made it a little bit scarier. I mean, it's not going to be super scary, obviously. No. But, like, a little spookier. And then I think it's it's funny, but it's more, like, just kind of gentle humor, which is fine. But I thought there were parts of it that were a bit bland. Yeah, there, there were. There were some really good lines, but I didn't think that it was. There weren't any big big laughs you know there 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 were there were chuckles right and and Mm -hmm. yes a much more blandly humorous you know in a way it was consistent because you didn't have a lot of ups and downs it was it was enjoyable through but you're right I mean I feel that's kind of what differentiates some of the best episodes we've had is those moments Mm -hmm. where you just have a real a real authentic really funny or great and I thought it was a decent character piece for Cliff and Carla but yeah, and having her be sort of this superstitious protagonist mm-hmm. was a good concept. But I just, I don't know, there are parts of it or time. Some of the best episodes, it's like you can be a couple minutes in and you've already gotten so much of the story in naturally. Right. That, and so many jokes. It's not even like a pileup of jokes. It's not the number of jokes, but it's just like everything has economy in how it's told. Mm-hmm. And in this, I kind of thought there were some parts that were a little bit repetitive maybe right. if that makes sense yeah, like yeah, in, more so in the bar part that could have been a bit better spent mm-hmm. you know i agree overall what did you what did you rate it i'll go first if you want please if you're still if you're thinking if, i don't know if you've done yours or not but i think i've got mine but i want to hear what you rate gave it okay so the really this kind of goes along with all of the things we've said in our discussion at the end here i'm going to give it a three out of five mm-hmm. I give it a slight bump because it is a Halloween episode and has a Halloween flair to it, which I enjoy. And I also like that they have an episode that is themed for Halloween, but it's not doesn't have to necessarily be about Halloween. Right, right. I don't mind it when they are, but mm-hmm. I think that that was kind of a good contribution. Yeah, you know, definitely. To just have it be in that sort of genre. But again, like I thought some of it was a little bit, a little bit bland mm-hmm. or, you know, just could have been... A, progressed a little bit faster maybe yeah 
been a little bit funnier. I thought some of Norm's lines, like with Frankenstein and the little girl, was funny. And mm-hmm. Diane had the, a couple of good lines. But there was nothing that was just really fresh to me about it. Like fresh and creative. No, I agree completely. For pretty much all those reasons you just said, I give it a three out of five as well. It does get the bump based on the concept. I think it's kind of a high concept. I like it. I think they could have done mm-hmm. a little bit better. But then again, who knows what, what led to it all. So for what it was, I enjoyed it. It was by no means a bad episode. But yeah, you didn't have really, to me, laugh out loud hysterical moments or anything like that um but it was it was consistent and you know you had some Mm -hmm. interesting character interactions so yeah solid three out of five that will do it for us today you can find us on facebook norm a cheers podcast and on twitter at cheers underscore norm you can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places apple podcasts google podcasts overcast and spotify leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there thanks so much for listening Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We're co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We're your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going, Andy? Pretty good, Marlene. How about you? I'm doing well, and I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag and say that I'm pretty excited about this episode that we're doing. It's one I really enjoy. It's episode six of season five, and it is Tan and Wash. It was written by Sheree Eichen and Bill Steinkellner, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on November 6th of 1986. So, in this episode, Norm has invested in a new local business that is a combination laundromat and tanning salon. Cliff, Sam, Carla, and Diane beg Norm to get them into the investment. They end up, however, not having Norm's patience or tolerance for risk as the venture at first looks to be a failure when Boston's sunny summer days continue. But when winter arrives and Tannen watches the success, everybody at first envies Norm his newfound financial windfall. Mm. That is the uh, really the entire story. Everybody is involved in that storyline. Mm-hmm. Start with a teaser that is um, not part of that, however, and I really enjoy this as well. I think it's kind of quirky and different, but we'll get to that. Sam says he had a crazy dream the night before, and he talks about being at a party with strangers and realized he wasn't wearing any pants. And so Norman Cliff comment on having had that dream, and Cliff remarks that it's embarrassing. And Sam asks why, <laughs> which I thought was fun. Right off the bat, I thought that that was funny, that Sam did not find that embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But then Norm apparently doesn't either. He says he wasn't embarrassed. And Norm says that the dream he hates is the one when you're back in college and you haven't been to class the entire semester. And the teacher's about to give you the final exam. And Carla says that's the worst. And then somebody, I think Cliff remarks about like Carla not having been to college or (laughs) whatever, you know. Uh So it's just like kind of a discussion you'd think that they would have about dreams and these sort of staple dreams that are sort of just in the, almost like the collective unconscious, you know, however that would work, that just people have. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then Woody pipes up. And he just thinks he's continuing the conversation about tri- typical dreams, recurring dreams. 
And he says, how about the one where you go to this fancy restaurant and before they let you in, they make you leave your legs at the door. <laughs> and everybody just kind of listens in a baffled silence. And he's, I think he's like pouring the maraschino cherries into the little, like the um, condiment box or whatever. Like he's doing some bar work as he's talking. So it all mm-hmm. seems very natural what he's doing. It's just what he's saying is so bizarre. So he continues and says, you have to check your legs at the door. The girl gives you claim check six and you go in. But instead of food, everyone's eating their silverware. Only you can't really enjoy your fork because you're so worried whoever got claim check number nine might finish and pick up your legs by mistake. At that point, there's just kind of silence. Mm-hmm. And Woody's just sort of nodding about this because and like looking around because again, like he thinks he's just contributing his entry into the common dream discussion. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> nodding in unison. I really did enjoy his his dream. It was just so preposterous, but believable as something he would dream. And I don't know. I, I yeah. identified it with a little bit myself. Just, you know, those weird, bizarre <laughs> dreams Putting, that you, you think something right. must be deeply wrong with you for dreaming that. You know, you don't know where it came out of. And I have that sometimes. So I could I could understand that. Because it's not a common fear like what the rest of them are discussing. Yeah. But the fact that he thinks that's a normal thing to fear, I think, just the absurdity yeah. of that, I loved. I also kind of wonder, this is another, yeah, I, did. This start, was I don't know, I, like last episode we discussed, is Norm just making something up, you know, because I think sometimes he's pulling people's legs. And I sort of wondered if Woody was pulling their legs with this. I don't think he was, but it's hard to tell. But either way, I just, I think it's great. And I love that, hmm. the bizarre dream. Yeah. When we start the episode, Diane is putting in a drink order and when she's doing this she asks Sam for a favor and she really just builds this up to make it a great big deal and she's asking for permission to leave work early by 10 minutes two weeks from this coming Wednesday (laughs) I found this whole thing a bit funny because you know she has the reputation from countless episodes of coming in late leaving early hardly an original idea and so to leave 10 minutes early i mean i know why she does it obviously but it's just so funny setting all this up like she doesn't oh, yeah. just come and go they all do as they want you know no right no fear of anything so that was kind of funny yeah that's what i thought too because it's like she's planning ahead two weeks from this coming wednesday so over two weeks away if she can leave work early by 10 minutes and what I said is, like, she usually just leaves with a moment's notice, if any at all, you know, yeah. Yeah, rather exactly. than planning like that. So she cajoles Sam into asking where she's going, because she's going on and on about, like, there's no real valid reason, and thank you for mm-hmm. not prying, and all of this. And she says, Sam, I must be frank. And then Sam kind of good-naturedly replies, sounds good, I'll be Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Even that I thought was kind of funny and cute, yeah, it was you know. Fun. Yeah, but he's just playing. It was a fun response. Yeah. So Sam finally asks, you know, and she's like, if you must know, she has a date. I noticed during this too, like Sam's fixing a tray of drinks for her and he takes one drink off to add another ingredient to it as they're having this conversation, which again, I think I like seeing those little natural touches and I never had paid attention to this before because I don't think you're supposed to. I think it's just background, but it really does add realism to the entire show right. i think mm-hmm. that they're actually working or doing these little things these little details that make it more natural um so sam is kind of nonchalant and diane talks about his sweet transparent bravado and continues something about like the little boy lost and the man like i don't, I don't remember everything that she said but she's suggesting that he's covering up these hurt feelings mm-hmm. 
she then she he you know he walks off and she continues and says that after their date Chad and then says Dr. Stark because of course she has to mention that her date is doctor may desire a kiss and ask Sam if he would mind if Chad's lips touch hers <laughs> and Sam says touch your what yeah. <laughs> so he gets her back oh yeah so Woody hands uh, Norm a note from somebody that has given Norm Skyview seats for the Sox Yankee doubleheader. And this turns out to be a gift from a client friend of Norm's. Norm says he saved him a lot of his taxes and doubled his money in six months by investing it and so forth. And Norm is getting excited about this. He kind of gets excited about these entrepreneurial things. And he's talking about the other ideas they have planned. And he kind of is mum about it. You know, he doesn't want to say what they are until Sam offers him a free beer, which just, you know, that's always going to make Norm seem like a canary if he gets a free yeah. beer. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> so Norm tells everybody about tan and wash, which is a combination of tanning salon and coin-operated laundry. So everybody is skeptical. And I think one of the many things I love about this episode is that, that Norm is entrepreneurial and he kind of goes for risky business propositions where he can get mm-hmm. something cheaply. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's true. Yeah. It seems believable that he'd go for this sort of enterprise. I it, yes, I think so too. And Norm says it's going to be the hottest place in, ta- in town. And then Sam made some joke about like him thinking about arson. So I just think about it. <laughs> and then did you notice what Diane says about norm that he should not be deterred by the mindless jibes of the ignorant masses yes oh yes mm-hmm. yes the proletariat <laughs> right exactly plebeians <laughs> right yeah so cliff at first on the download says that he and his mom went in and norm is telling him investments are risky he doesn't want to do business with friends so we've already kind of set up this this tension in the bar Sam and Carla talk about wanting shares too. Everybody's going in on this. And then even Diane wants to get in on a share. And then we have this whole speech that she gives because Carla is surprised that Diane wants to buy into this. And she says that she's sowing faith in our great free enterprise system. (laughs) She just goes off here. Yeah. (laughs) I had to play it back because how she got from one to the other. talking about politics and stuff i'm like what yeah <laughs> you have to pay attention for right it. right right so she's showing faith in our great free enterprise system i'm like oh good and she's like she's even she diane chambers is not immune to the renaissance of american patriotism in the 1980s um so and then but of course she has to take that jab about like i just want to remind everyone this doesn't involve any shifting of support toward the current administration <laughs> you know she has to yeah. give her little speech right. um so Sam says he hopes nobody was looking for a silent partner. <laughs> and then Carla talks about Diane needing to use a tanning salon instead of investing in one. And I thought this part is kind of a setup for a joke later. So I don't, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's not like as funny as what comes afterwards. But Carla is talking about Diane having skin that's the color of Elmer's glue. And, Sam, and Diane says that she has what restoration poets refer to as alabaster skin. Mm-hmm. And then Diane and Sam go another round on her date about, like, she can't freckle before her date or something like that. So that's a it's the underlying thing with them. But in my opinion, I don't think that it takes away from the episode too much. I don't no. know. What do you think? No, I don't, I don't really think it, it does either. It, it, it flows really well mm-hmm. around the main story, I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah. So Carla says Norm is trying to sidetrack them on this investment. So it's interesting that she's the, I think, that she's the first to set the bar against Norm. 
Because she's usually one of the agitators. In any of these episodes that we've seen, you know, like maybe once a season or so, um, that involves some sort of group think, you know, or like morality situation in the bar, it's usually Carla that's one of the first to get that going. Mm-hmm. So Cliff then talks about how he mailed a letter that Norm needed mailed. <laughs> So that's not his job or something. <laughs> so they all cajole Norm into letting him in. And Norm says he knows something's going to go wrong and they're going to blame him. Norm has a lot of sense. Yeah. About people, he does. especially. Yeah. 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 So they ask Woody. This is one of my favorite parts. They ask Woody if he, he's like, I don't think so. Just kind of quietly says he doesn't think so. They want to know why his dad gave him sound advice when he left home. And there are a couple of like just very basic. It's like. Never trust a man that doesn't look you in the eye. And there was another one. But they're just very common wisdom, I guess. Like, just, you know, very, old, what would you say? Like, old-fashioned, time-tested, mm-hmm. wise right. sayings. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is never spend venture capital on a limited partnership without a detailed analytical fiduciary prospectus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was great. That was great. Great. Like, Woody, and the thing is, like, I think that he knows what that is because Woody, we've seen a couple times before, like Woody's strength is that he's financially savvy. Right. And yeah. he even said that. Like, what, what was the episode? The um, Was it Fools and Their Money? There are a couple that dealt with like Sam and Woody with mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. And Woody talks about like how the Boyds don't know about all these topics that he lists, but they know about money. So I like that that came back up here in Woody's yeah. part. Mm-hmm. It's very funny how he, I mean, yeah, it's, it's you know, he's he's pr- often portrayed in many ways as kind of the dumb one, right? right. But it, this that's one area that consistently he has such wisdom. And I kind of expected that the story would take a turn where he would be proven as the right, you know, as mm. being in the right for resisting all that. But mm-hmm. anyway, we'll, we'll get to the end. But <laughs> Right. I mean, I guess you could read it that way. That'll be interesting to discuss. Yeah. So Norm comes in, and Paul, who's one of the barflies, asks how the world's treating him. And Norm says, like, a baby treats a diaper. And this got, like, huge laughs from the studio audience. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a good, it's a good line. It is. I thought it was a good normism. <laughs> in fact, I noticed that the episode, like, in general, got a lot of big laughs from mm-hmm. the audience. Like, they were, it's just very robust, you know, very raucous. So Carla is complaining about Tan and Wash's lack of business. Norm's telling her to be patient. And there's something she says about how there's just like one lonely woman kicking the hell out of a change machine or something yes, like yeah. that. Was By funny. the way, you owe me a quarter and a new pair of shoes. <laughs> right, right. I liked that delivery. That was good. So Norm is talking about his promotional campaign that he has worked out. And he's talking about you just have to be patient with the weather because it's sunny outside and so forth. So Norm's worked mm-hmm. out this promotional campaign. And this is when I feel like we get a little bit into farce, but in a way that I really enjoy. I think that's mm-hmm. another thing I like about this episode. You know how I like the kind of like reasonable farce? Sure. Um, so Sam comes in very tan. He's wearing bright white pants and a Hawaiian shirt. And Norm is like, did you just fly to the tropics and spend a week and thousands of dollars under the blazing unhealthy sun? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sam says he spent his lunch hour under some healthful federally approved UVA rays at the tan and wash. And I noticed this time watching it that when Sam is saying this, there's a part when he almost seems like he has trouble either remembering or pronouncing federally approved UVA. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yes. it's just a little too much for him to remember. <laughs> I thought that was a, I thought Ted Danson really was 
that was a great kind of like little just a little bit of character right. in there that was funny mm-hmm. but it's like sam's just can't quite get he's all he's trying his hardest yes yeah, yeah exactly yeah. So Norm is advertising coupons for 20% off the first five visits to the tan and wash. And as he's doing that, Cliff comes in. And it's just like one of them after the next. Cliff comes yes. in. Yeah. And he's as tan as can be. He's got short sleeve postal uniform and postal shorts on. He doesn't look bad. Aside from the socks, like he looks pretty robust and healthily, like very tan. But yeah. he's got his little short sleeve uniform on. And Norm says, is that Cliff Clavin or is that Don Ho? <laughs> This is not the first Don Ho reference, is it, from this show? I don't know. We've, I think I can swear we've had it in another episode, I thought, unless I'm thinking, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we've heard it before, but. And I didn't know who it was. He's a, um, or he was, he's he's died now, but he was a Hawaiian singer and kind of emblematic of the island life. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's another have. 80s show I'm thinking of. I, I, I feel like around this was kind of a heyday for him. So it's he's probably okay. been referenced in many shows, if not. I would imagine one. so. Yeah. So Norm's asking if he's been to a faraway island resort. And Cliff's like, no, I got this town, this tan right here in Beantown. And starts talking about how the tan first gained popularity in the Bronze Age. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the part when he pulls up or pulls down his socks, like, look how white I used to be. And he pulls mm-hmm. down one of his tall white socks. <laughs> and then Sam is kind of curious that Cliff wore his socks in the tanning booth. And he says that, the, what was it, the Clavin men have feet like a baby's bottom. Yes, and she says, what, a face to match? <laughs> yes, right, right. And then Carla says something about, she wouldn't, because they're asking if she would do it, she's like, she wouldn't stick a, a fork in a toaster, never mind her valuables. <laughs> And then Norm is handing out these flyers, and Steve says Norm has the guts of a burglar trying to peddle tanning salon on the sunniest day of the year. And then Paul calls it a rip-off joint and says that nobody would be that stupid to spend a minute there unless they had a financial interest. So they're just being very, like, it's ultra-negative and unpleasant, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, they're, they're just ripping him, yeah. really. Yeah. But as soon as Paul says that, in walks Woody, like, totally tan, the only one without a financial interest in tan and wash. <laughs> right. Uh, I like that. I thought the timing of that, of that entire mm-hmm. bit of them coming in was perfect. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah. That whole runway, Norm cast in that, you know, mm-hmm. bop, you know, showy, I don't know what kind of words I'm trying to use here, but you know, yes. the, that whole hammed up performance. Exactly. Right? He's got this like yeah. MC hammed up performance. Yes. You know, he's big, just really amped up his, his game there as they come in <laughs> one by one. I still love that. Right. Yeah. So we go have a, a break and then... Perfectly, in my opinion, when we come back, we switch to Fraser coming in. <laughs> he's badly sunburned and he's angry. Mm-hmm. And he's grumbling about how he tried to help out a few newly enterprising friends. And he got the worst sunburn of his life thanks to a faulty thermoregulator on tanning machine number three, the Bahama Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I just find that so, that entire line in his delivery yes. is so funny. Because he's got that stone red, you know, face. Uh, yes. Right. And Bahama Mama. Blotchy, yeah. too. Like, it's, a, you know, it's very yeah. much like a hideous sunburn. Yeah. And then talking about the firm, the faulty thermoregulator. <laughs> Just the way that he says the Bahama Mama. It was great. And then Sam says his shirt smells fresher. And they all lean in. I noticed they all lean in to smell Fraser's shirt. And Fraser's like, really? It's not too lemony? And Sam says, not for you. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> So I already I think we're like it's on a high 
a high roll, I think, after some of these things are happening. You know, it just kind of builds, in my opinion, builds the humor up to the point yeah. where they're coming in, each tanned, and then Fraser comes in sunburned, and then we get to Diane coming in, humming, isn't it romantic? Which is actually the second of three uses of isn't it romantic in Cheers. Cause remember they did that with the coach episodes in season three? The coach in love. Oh, yeah. yeah he was mm-hmm. humming that. I like that. That's I like right. He was humming that, too. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a callback. It is. I thought it was. <laughs> so Diane comments that it's a lovely sunny day out. And then she kind of like hesitates. She's like, as your tan faces will attest. <laughs> and goes on obnoxious with her humming. And she says she's feeling especially girlish. And Woody asks why. Sam's trying to stop him. And Woody gets the question out before Sam can prevent him from saying anything so and there's this little exchange i just think this is cute when Woody says like the when she said or sorry diane says the usual thing that puts a bounce in a girl's step and Woody's like ah support hose and she's like you're adorable i thought that was cute yeah and sam is like he's angrily chopping something on the bar but he's kind of feigning disinterest and she walks away humming and sam basically asked woody or to ask diane about her date which she described as she said a very special evening, but it was the way she sort of said it with her chin bobbing and, you know. Oh, so over the a top. Very special, yeah. <laughs> and then Carla is commenting on the weather and saying the paper predicts the same high temperature for Boston as for Honolulu, Honolulu, Hawaii. And Norm is talking about it being Indian summer, but it's going to get cold. And at this point, Woody, we get re- kind of rejoined the previous scene. Woody comes back from the pool room humming, isn't it romantic? Yes. And then he has this description of Diane's date to Sam that he gives to Sam in Diane's words. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I that's why I was talking about like the people coming in one by one. I just like the humor builds. And then even though this is the sort of supplementary storyline, I just think this is hilarious too. It is. Kind of building this on top a, of that. This was a fantastic scene. Mm-hmm. And it, it got a lot of um, applause, right? You know, yeah. Woody's yeah. part for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, he's using her word, like her beautiful night of magic. And he's kind of making hand motions to mm-hmm. emphasize the words that he's trying yes. to remember. The yeah. ballet was exquisite. Exquisite. <laughs> the enchanting coach ride under the stars. And then Chad held her porcelain-like hand lightly. And then it says, tracing tiny circles on her alamander. Alamander. <laughs> 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 Sam inter- like, just bursts out, alabaster. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Alabaster skin. But that, Perfect. what are you trying to figure out? Alabaster and coming up with alamander. Yes. <laughs> that was just brilliant humor, yeah. I thought. And he, he, he uses a, a French term for her apartment or home oh, the, or whatever. Right, the pied de terre for some quiet uh-huh. conversation and more yeah. brandy. And he's getting worked up, too. Like, you can see him mm-hmm. kind of becoming more energized as he's going through this. He's like, and then, you know. Yeah. This chamber said if you wanted to hear the rest, you have to ask for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> He's so giddy about it. He's yeah. so giddy about yeah. it. Proud of himself. I love I love that scene though. <clears throat> the alamander part. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. But I think that like the whole alabaster, like the restoration poet saying that she has alabaster skin really perfectly set this up later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It, it, it was a great setup. I mean it really was. Mm-hmm. Alamander skin. So Diane comes out at this point and sees Fraser and she's like, Fraser, a sunburn? And then he says, No, I'm doing my impression of a blood blister. 
what I mean? It's just like at some point, once it hits its stride, it's just like one hilarious part after the next. Yeah. yeah. And Carla swings by and asks Frazier what his reaction was the first time he saw Diane naked and then just slaps the fire out of his bag. <laughs> <laughs> and he screams. That but, noise he makes. Yeah, it's like, oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and Diane looks horrified. But it's the mm-hmm. timing of all of that, just the way that that happens. It just flows so well. Yeah. So Cliff is talking about how Ma is getting worried about their investment. And Norm is saying he warned them. Basically everybody at this point is worried. And they went out of tan and wash. And Norm is talking about how they have to hang in there, roll with the punches. And that really, that is Norm. Norm rolls with the punches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a, like, that really is his character. So Sam says they're not cut out for it. And we've kind of seen before, like between Sam and Norm, that Sam is not really cut, like, cut out for financial risks. He's conservative with money. He likes things to be you know, pretty steady and predictable, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that, that. It's not a callback, per se, to an episode, but I think it's character consistency that I like. Yeah. Again, I see that. There. Yeah. So Norm is going to buy out their shares. And I noticed, this is a, it's a random thing I noticed only this last time, that as Norm is talking, a woman walks by, and she's holding what appears to be a stuffed panda bear. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think that means anything. I don't know if a panda bear is like a symbol of something, but I had never noticed that before. But I thought that that was I didn't very notice odd. it then, so yeah. I'll have to go back and see that. <laughs> I rewound it when I saw it, because I was like, is that, did I just see that? Wow. So in the next moment that we see, they have a, an outdoor shot, and it is snowing. It's a street oh, scene of snow. Oh, it's snowing, You Marty. know, I know. You oh, know how man. that just warms my heart <laughs> <laughs> to have snow, particularly on Cheers. Mm-hmm. So you see the street scenes and the people kind of sweeping the snow and so forth. And then in the bar, you can just, like, look out the window and see the snow coming down. It's like we have this whole, like, all of these really funny parts, and then it starts snowing. So it's just perfect. Oh, man. Yep. And then Carl, it's like it's like they wrote this for you. Carl. It really is. It really is. They wrote it to all of my preferences, <laughs> including some of the financial and like political back and forth. I thought that was mm. interesting too. So mm-hmm. yeah, nothing bad to say about it. Carla complains every flake means another buck in Norm's pocket, and you know so she's grumbling that he's been successful now. And then we have what? Well. We'll go through the scene. I'm curious what you think of this. Because Diane is approaching Sam. She tells him she's breaking off a relationship with Chad. So they're talking in, mm-hmm. the, in the hallway. And she knows how secretly it gnaws at Sam. And Sam says, who? You know, at the mention of Chad's name. And Diane says, he's quite an actor. He could have had a career in the theater. And then Sam adds, I was a model. <laughs> and Diane says, she's, she is ending her affaire de cour. Because she can sense it's gnawing away at Sam. And Sam goes on about how he can think about is Diane and Chad and where they're going, the things they're doing, and he can't eat or sleep. And Diane stops him and says, like, oh, Sam, really? It's like, gee, maybe I could have been an actor. (laughs) It seems like what he was doing was kind of obvious because it was so dramatized, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, she's predisposed to believe him because it's what she wants to hear. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I thought that that part, I don't think it's bad, but to me that's the weakest part in the episode mm. is that conversation in the hallway what about it do you what well, i'm just interested why mm. why it is weak for you i don't know i just i don't know if it's because it just seemed 
sort of obvious going into it or if it's mm-hmm. just folk it's like a little bit too much focus on the situation rather than being part of like the, like the rolling through the story in the midst mm-hmm. of the bar it's focusing a little much on it maybe mm-hmm. and it's funny but it's not in my opinion the same sort of like really hilarious creative humor that right. they have in the rest of the episode so I just think in those terms I don't think it's bad like I said but I just think that it's not it's at the level of the rest of the episode yeah. No, what are, what are I, I can see that. I can. I agree with that. I mean, and it's it's not like we've never had. I don't know. Again, it just it's to me makes me feel like, uh, you know, yeah, an obvious. It was obviously set up, and we've seen that before, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've seen so many elements of that moment before a fake out, whatever. Um, and so I don't know. It, yeah, it was funny, but it was definitely uh, uh, coming down from the manic highs of the last few minutes, you know, which I mean is inevitable, right? You can't, I mean, it's going to be that way, but no, I agree with you on that. I think that's it too. It's like the manic highs and my enjoyment of the episode. And then this doesn't cut that out, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's again, like it's taking that conversation that sort of flowed through the rest of the norm story when it was just a conversation in the bar and making it more particular and about that. And I just didn't think Mm -hmm. it, I thought they could have, if they had, and also, like, I think if they had ended that storyline with Woody telling Sam about the date and how hilarious that was, like, that was mm-hmm. the high point of that story. So this, yeah. to me, is, like, an add-on. That's a great point. If that had been the, the, the ending scene before the mm-hmm. credits, I think that would have been a great... Right, a great or, like, the end of, it. yeah, the end of that particular, like, of the Diane's date story. I think that mm-hmm. would have been hilarious. So. Right, right. But anyway, so, yeah, we it's... Again, like not bad, but could have been left out. I think the episode would have been a little stronger for it. Mm-hmm. So Norm comes in. He's wearing a fur-lined coat and hat, and <laughs> in that hat. What is that? A fez? Is that's that what that's what called? I think I was trying to. Rem- yeah, I think that's what that is. It's like a like a Russian hat. Yes, right? exactly. Okay. But I couldn't think yeah. of the name of it. But it's a, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. It's like a Russian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Russian hat. Nobody greets him. He greets himself. And he says Norm, and then he also says Norman <laughs> to fill yes. in for Diane. <laughs> and they're all giving him the cold sh- shoulder, except for Woody, who's like, "Well, you've gotten pretty successful," and all of that. And then Carla and Cliff are just downright ugly to him. Cliff calls him Mr. Rock of Flounder. He's <laughs> talking about it's lonely at the top, and Norm replies, "The food's better." That is really <laughs> Norm's only response, and it's just a frustrated, quick response. But it's really his only response that is. Um, in any way snide or like cutting mm-hmm. to anybody else, I think, through the mm-hmm. entire episode. And it's not even that bad. It's just it's the only time that he's sort of acts fed up with them, I think. Right. Yeah. And Sam says that Norm's rubbing their noses in it and that they're his friends after all. And he calls them out and says they haven't been acting like friends. They act mm-hmm. like he did something wrong and they didn't congratulate him on his success, which they had a chance to share, and that he thinks he's going to take his refreshment business elsewhere. I kind of like that idea, too, that Norm has a refreshment business. That that's, you know, I mean, that makes sense, but I just like that that phrasing. Yeah. Yeah. So Diane comes around, and she asks Norm not to leave. She says they're mad at themselves. And she's right. Nobody else chimes in at first, but then when Norm starts to leave, Sam calls him back. Everybody else um, joins in, and they fluff up a stool, and (laughs) Sam apologizes and says Norm deserves all his success. At which point he reveals that they, he never took them out of tan and wash, and he hands them their <laughs> dividend checks. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this makes me wonder too, and this is something I had as like a final question. It's like, over what course of time did this episode occur? Like we know it, well, we know because of Diane's date that it had to be at least two weeks. But mm-hmm. you know, you have a weather change, which if you had an Indian summer, it could turn cold. Like that makes some sense. But the whole thing with the dividend checks is like those don't come out, but quarterly, oh. right? Like that would be over a longer. I would think that would be over a longer period of time. But the ever elusive sitcom timelines. How right. much life and you they, cram into twenty minutes? <laughs> I know, I know, and it's it doesn't true. really. I don't think it affects the episode, and I think they mm-hmm. usually do a pretty good job with like the timing of mm-hmm. things. It's not ever anything that pulls you out of a story, you know. But I did kind of wonder about that. Yeah. Um, so everybody sings for he's a jolly good fellow. And phone rings, so you know something's coming up. Mm-hmm. It's for Norm, and Norm has Woody put the call on hold. Cliff notices that it's snowing harder, and then Woody suggests that they carry Mr. Peterson around the bar on their shoulders and then go play in the snow. And then Sam says, let's just go play in the snow, which reminded me of a couple other times when Norm, what was it with um, the character Jack last season when he's picking everybody up? Remember that? He's like, Chambers, Malone. And he's like, no, oh, he doesn't do Sam. I think it's uh, like Chambers and Yes, he's embracing Cliff, them, like, picking them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Embraces him and picking him up. And then it's like. He gets to Norm, Norm. and he's like, shakes his hand. Or exactly. Mm-hmm. I thought about that when Sam was like, let's just go play in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> so they run through the door, and Carla says that the last one out's a Clavin. And Cliff is like, you're not going to get me this time. <laughs> so <laughs> to a point you made in the last episode that we did, like Cliff kind of takes that insult in stride, you know, like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be the Clavin this time. Right, you know? right. He's willing to just take one for the team, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Diane kind of bemoans, like, oh, I'm always the Clavin," <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny coming from her. That was good. And then Norm talks about how it gives him a good feeling to do something, or a great feeling to do something good for those people as he and Woody are watching him play in the snow. So he's happy. You know, he's helped his friends. And that's pretty characteristic of Norm, too, I would say. Mm-hmm. Sure. So Norm takes the phone call. It's something bad. Because he's like, what? No, no. You, know, you can tell something's gone mm-hmm. awry. And so he hesitates. He goes to the door. And he says that he's like, just hypothetically, what would you all think? The roof at Tan and Wash collapsed from the weight of all the snow, and they didn't have any insurance. And he's speaking in this kind of chipper voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just hypothetically, how would you feel about that? So they pelt him with a barrage of snowballs, and Norm's like, just checking, and he kind of shakes his head. But he's still good-natured about it, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's oh, the my. end of it. But And I, I th- when I watched it this last time, I thought, like, I think Norm's attitude about setbacks and failure has kind of gotten me through life at times. <laughs> but I think about like his attitude, right. just like, well, you win some, you lose some, you yeah. know. Yep, that's that's true to form, true to his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. This was an enjoyable episode, I will say. This mm-hmm. was a very enjoyable episode. Yeah, I think it's one of my it's one of my favorites. I just love it. I think yeah. that I think it's hilarious. You know, like I talked about the it gets to a point of just like rising comedy that escalates really through the part with Fraser, like talking about doing his impression of the blood blister. And there's like a solid section of that episode that is just hysterical. Like they're just mm-hmm. firing on all cylinders. But I also like that there's the group psychology idea too, that they sort of treat Norm badly, even as they are the ones that are going back and forth on their decision. And he's trying to warn them. And 
-hmm. there's the whole idea of him like norm's more of a risk taker even though he's sitting at the end of that bar all the time not doing a lot really like with his actual life like he's willing to take risks when they come his Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. so i like that i thought that was interesting of course i love the snow i just think that adds a i I like it period and i just think it adds a that adds a solid star to your oh yes (laughs) right it's got snow you're good Uh, right and then I like the idea that Norm had this great venture that kind of falls apart. And like we said, he's just kind of like, you win some, you lose some. He takes things mm-hmm. as they come. There's a pattern for Norm throughout the entire show of that. And I really mm-hmm. like that that's a, a character point for him. So that's my that's my uh, my advertisement for Tan and Wash. Mm. All right, Marlene, what is your well, what, rating? What are your, what are your thoughts? Do you have any other <laughs> things or do you want me to give my rating? I want to hear your rating. I am The buildup is... Me apart. I need to hear. Okay, I'm gonna give it. I don't know if this will surprise you or not. I'm gonna give it a high four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think again, like really, so much of it is just great. Like the best you could get. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think every moment of it is great. Like the hallway scene, I think it's a little bit weak compared to the rest of the episode. Like on its own, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't dock it for that, but it definitely gets, you know, the credit for the snow. Sure. <laughs> My personal yeah. preference is snow. And just the <laughs> hilarious lines, the character part, everything that I just talked about. I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's perfect. I really mm-hmm. enjoy all of it. I think that the middle part, you know, is the, the funniest. I wouldn't say there's a way necessarily that it could be better. I just don't think it's like necessarily like the pinnacle of, of tears. Sure. So that's no, why I wasn't. It, it's not quite a five. Right. Because right. I think well, that, got, like, my love of it is objective. Like, I think there are objectively things that are fantastic about it, but I think a lot of it is my just subject, subjective affinity for the, sh- the episode and what they, sure. what they do with it. Sure. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. This is one where I wish we could do like let ourselves do um, half stars. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. Well, like I, yeah. Um, but. No, I'm going to stick to the rules because I'm a rule follower. No, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give this a three out of five. And okay. and that is not in any way diminutive of it. It, it was a great episode. I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. That's the one word I could give to it. It yes. was really fun. I will say, I guess part of it, I don't know how much. It was a little bit of a slow burn for me, amping up okay. to the middle part, yeah. which was firing I on all cylinders. That. It was a little slow to take off. So I, I guess that's the biggest thing that, that would, would mm-hmm. separate it from being a four for me. Also, I don't know, honestly, how much, what the rewatchability of it for me is. And I, okay. I, I only say that because I don't, I don't really know. I mean, probably the slow build. Um, I, I, you know, you know me, I love Norm and I love me some Norm episodes. Yes. But when I, I guess when I compare this to some previous ones, the one that comes to mind is the executive's executioner. Right. Um, which I thought was just a, a, a excellent episode. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's for me when I consider it on that comparative scale, a three is where I, where, where I fall. But okay. a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Even if there were those parts, you can really enjoy it, like you said, for what it is and... You got some, you got some good character moments as always, and mm-hmm. some great lines. So, solid three out of five is is a good, in my book. <laughs> okay, I guess I have to live with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you have to give it the rating that you that you see fit, and I understand the part about the buildup. Like I thought that that was enjoyable, just like in a regular way. But I think that once it hits that stride, and I think that I probably like the 
a little bit of like the I don't know, like the farcical aspect of it. Because I do think when they're coming in, like one by one, there's a little something that's unrealistic about mm-hmm. that, you know. Right. But I think I enjoy it. As long as it's not, and I didn't think it was slapstick. I thought it was more that just character yeah. farce. And right. I think that I tend to, I'm going to guess that I tend to enjoy that a little bit more than you do. So that's another reason why I think that my mood just elevates as that goes on. I can see that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And that, and then just the funny, the hilarious lines. So. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, the rewatch quotient is is high, but I think it's just <laughs> yeah. like again, like that middle, the building up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and the snow. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.